Scoop Magoo. I'm Jim Jam. And we, uh, after our review extravaganza last week, we have more of a kind of fast and loose, open-ended set of topics today, including Mm -hmm. a a news item that when I saw it, I mean, there's certain things I see, you know, on my feed or whatever. I'm like, all right, Jimmy and I are going to talk about this. Scott, uh, um, before we get into that, I still have to ask you, did you watch a David Lynch movie this week? Yeah, so Danny Brown announced. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. We're we're we're, we're oh, no. We're geez. we're having this conversation first. <laughs> I I blanked honestly. Yeah, yeah. I okay. I figured, but you know, again, you know what? Just, I, I'm just gonna keep I'm, bothering you. So it's it's only only zero for two, which is not horrible. So next week, I promise I'll I'll watch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I mean, I'm gonna keep reminding you until you do. So what's the name? Yeah. What is it like? Gray Maiden. What's the name of the movie? Blue Velvet. Blue Velvet. <laughs> Green it is blue velvet. I yeah. don't know. I knew it was a color and a noun. So <laughs> anyway, anyway, Danny Brown, yeah, uh, has uh, this is something he announced last. Well, this is something he alluded to last year is that his next project, because uh, Atrocity Exhibition came out what 2015. Yep. Um, no, was and it he 2015? said could be 2016 even. No, I don't know. Oh yeah, actually. Um, God, we are, we're bad. We're bad at this. <laughs> I'm looking at actually. Story. Yeah, I think it was twenty. I think it was 2016. In any case, he um yes, yeah, 2016. Yeah. He announced like the, you know the, the past couple of years that his ex album was going to be um a collaboration with a prominent hip hop producer, which both Jimmy and I thought to be great if it was Madlib, and Madlib would make sense. Um, he actually. Uh, Danny Brown was a feature on uh, Pinata, which is a collaboration between Freddie Gibbs and Madlib. And uh, obviously, Danny Brown's production is a little weird out there. Madlib kind of, I, I mean, Madlib's production is phenomenal, but it's very much like jazzy, like soul samples and stuff. But Danny Brown sounded really, really good as a feature on, uh, it was a track called High off of that album. So I was excited for that being potentially a thing. We found out this week that it's not Madlib, it's actually uh, Q-Tip, who is executive producing the album, which um, is, an, is always an interesting, like, just, you know, DJ Khaled is an executive producer on his albums. Uh, more recently, Dr. Dre has become an executive producer. So, like, they're involved, they're involved in everything, but the level to which they're involved on a track-by-track basis um, is somewhat questionable. Uh, just because, at least in the modern sense of hip hop, ex- executive producers are not typically given like the full producer credits on a lot of tracks. So I'm curious what Q-Tip is going to bring to the table. Uh, I haven't listened to a ton of his music, uh, but I guess I've listened to enough that in my head, I-, I guess mainly I was just clinging to it being madlib or or something someone i was familiar with or someone i I feel like would fit more because just in kind of gleaning over q-tips aesthetic and his image he just doesn't feel like a danny brown collaborator he just doesn't really feel like he fits but i mean obviously danny brown picked him so i don't think he would do that unless he had some faith that this was a you know good move I was but, personally hoping for um, Flylo to, to that, be. That would have been like, great too. Yeah, see, like I feel like Flylo would make more sense than Madlib, because like you know, like 
Flylo is as out there, if not more, than Danny Brown. Sure, yeah. And, like, you know, they could probably collide in, like, that outer space vision, you know, type of thing. Um, yeah, Q-tips, I don't know. Well, like, again, I, I, well, it isn't again because it's the first time I'm speaking this, but I, <laughs> I, I don't have anything against Q-tip at all. But I just don't think of him when I think of, like, an experimental producer or, like, an out-there producer. Even though everybody's like, oh, yeah, he has, like, this experimental style. And I'm like, why can't we describe this more than just experimental? Like, yeah. Like, like and to be fair, I think my my point of reference probably is uh, Tribe Called Quest's uh, – oh, what's the big one that they had? Um Low End Theory or, or Midnight Marauders? Those are the two low, big ones. Low End Theory, that's what I was thinking of. Um, that, like, really the only production on that album is just bass and drums. Like, you know, so it, I wanted to listen to the last Tribe Called Quest album uh, this week. I totally blanked on that because I just wanted to see if, like, maybe there was something else to it, like, to his production. But it's just, like, I just find it to be such a strange choice um and like i know people are excited but like i i don't know like i i'm excited in the way because i think danny brown is fucking great like atrocity exhibition was like a really like it was pretty low on my 2016 list and after 2016 i started listening to it more and i think if if i had to redo it i would probably put it at the top like i i think it's like it's, it's like one of my favorite hip-hop albums ever um so like just to yeah i don't know to announce q-tip like it's like okay in some ways in some ways i am now even more interested because yeah i'm i'm i mean i'm not gonna pretend that i'm not a little disappointed i would have loved to have seen someone like that but reply low or even another oddball uh pick that i then look into and be like oh all right this might be cool um but i guess maybe just figuring out or, you know, kind of seeing what Q-Tip brings to the table might be interesting. Um, you know, obviously, I don't think any artist is going to pick a collaborator unless they totally believe um, this is, you know, it's going to be, uh, it's going to work. You know, it's going to, like, help their sound, or, or maybe he's going for a different sound. I, I have no idea. At the so, very least, I'm even more in, intrigued. And I think intrigued is different from interested because... Intrigued is just generally curious about what's going to yeah. happen. Yeah. So, so like, and and like you said, Danny is Danny's going to be Danny. I have no qualms that he's going to continue being. Um, <coughs> excuse me. He's going to continue being great. Thank you. He's going to continue um, pushing kind of the content he talks about, and um, I mean, he still has to approve all the beats he raps over. You know, the beats have gotten increasingly more weird and experimental. Um, obviously, he doesn't, you know, have as much a hand in production as far as I can tell. But he still has to, you know, a approve them to be a part of his album, and b be able to rap over them, which he's been able to do. Yeah. So definitely intrigued. I, I have a feeling this might end up like, uh, like old, a little bit. That like, it's impressive on one end, but at the same time, like the production doesn't quite match what he's like. You know, like, I think that's what makes Atrocity Exhibition such a great album is that the production, you know, really heightens Danny's style. Uh, even when he's not doing, like, that high Yelp that he's known for. Like, you know, um, 
tell me what I don't know. You yeah. Know, like, like, like the, the production on that is really, is, is still very bizarre. Um, you know, but it's, it's more subdued, but it's still like, you know, it, it, it matches him as opposed to, you know, I, I like, I was actually listening to 30 or triple X, however you want to say it, um, this week. And like, I, I mean, I think that's a great, great album mixtape, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but like a, you know, even the production there, you know, has this like like, it isn't quite to what Atrocity Exhibition is. Like, it has some weird parts to it, but like, it's it's still nothing compared to, you know, Atrocity. Um, <laughs> actually, this, last night all I could think of was, uh, you know, and I smoke, <laughs> blown after blown after, oh, blown, God. after blown after blown, <laughs> yeah. and I smoke. Yeah, that yeah. that is a. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it's so funny. Like it's it's objectively like obnoxious, but it's just oh, yeah. it's so funny, and well, I love the, the fact that uh, um, I, I actually when I saw him live, that was um, that was like the loudest crowd interaction of the night. Like he he, he would just he would just go and I smoke and then stop and then the whole crowd was blunt. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of creepy almost because it was just almost like a uh, like like a. Like a propaganda or like some type of like like, like Nazi rally. Yeah, yeah it, I mean, like, yeah, I didn't want to use that word. Like, actually, it was like everyone's like blown after, blown. It's like aggressively, everyone's shouting it. Yeah. Oh I, man, th- th- that album, like Thirty, like has so many good lines. Even though, like, if you look at it, like with like sort of the social like lens of today, you're like, you're, it's kind of cringy. But like, like, like I'm trying to remember. There's a line that's like I. I'll deep throat Sarah Pale until she hiccups or something oh, like that. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, it is just like a horrible thing to say, but just like it, like just the imagery that he's able to conjure up with his lyrics is just fucking great. So yeah, um, he's he's been consistently, um, you know, one of the most interesting. Like when they used to do, um, well, I mean they still do it, but when he was kind of up and coming, you know, the magazine triple. Um, Double XL, yeah. But w- w- was he a freshman? Yeah, he was a freshman, and then uh, he did. He was on a number of like different ciphers and stuff like that. Um, I think like the like BET Hip Hop Awards or whatever. They, they did a cipher with him where he like was spitting, and like he was, and he came up around the time that like Action Bronson got big. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Absol, Schoolboy Q, so like a bunch of interesting personalities, and he just always stood out. Like he just was always so. Um, you know, so singular, yeah, yeah, in how he, um, and how he presented, like you said, just like, like, just funny, but like also dark. I mean, like, some of the songs in his discography are like incredibly, um, you know, dark, like, uh, that song, um, where he talks about like how, um, it's in my DNA because yeah, uh, my, pop, I, my pops. That is so up. weird you bring that up because that was the exact song I was thinking of, too. Yeah, because it, it's like so. And it's so jarring because it's like that's the first, the latter half of Triple X has some more serious songs, but that's like out of nowhere. Like, you yeah. know, it kind of just suddenly turns to this like really dark. Um, yeah, then, then it starts up just like, I'm going to die like a rock star, you know? Like, uh-huh. bitch, I want to party yeah. like Chris Farley, shot a Hennessy and spike it with some Molly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, uh... I, I, I know like the first half of that album, like, almost almost like line by line at this point <laughs> especially like i i know almost all of i will <laughs> just because it's such a ridiculous song so uh which i, I will not repeat lyric those lyrics here don't worry 
Yeah, some of them are a little raunchy. Um, I, can, I will is nothing but that. It's, it's all raunchy. Oh god, it I, is, I, I love it. Beautiful. Will. Yeah. Oh, that's such a funny song. <laughs> it really is. I remember that. That's actually the first song you ever played for me of his, and I'm like, fuck yes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just oh, god. <laughs> so I think we can cap this off by saying that like we're excited, but maybe not in the way we previously thought. <laughs> Yeah, definitely, definitely looking forward. I mean, I'm, I, I was going to look forward to this. Review. I mean, he could have said oh, yeah. that. He could have said that uh, his son banging on pots and pans was going to be the producer for this. Yeah, or you, and I, I mean, still would have been interested. You could say that, like fucking, um, I don't know, like Metro Boomin would, would be like doing production. I'd be like, okay, you're like, you're like, it's still Danny Brown. So <laughs> I, I, I think Metro Boomin's a good producer. I, I don't think he matches Danny Brown at all. I'm just talking about like, just, I would actually. Just pick some new trap producer out there and just like stick him I, in I w- to that equation. Frankly, I would actually be even more interested if it was just like some new like uh, like DJ Mustard or something like that. Yeah, Kenny uh, Beats. That be, yeah, that would be like that would be really interesting. Um, I think yeah, that's the last thing I'll say is I feel like the, my main issue with the Kutsu selection is just it's kind of he's kind of like a a boring pick like he's not he's not fresh and new but also he's not like an elder statesman like mad lib like he's not like a well-known you know established I know producer that. i i consider him like an elder statesman but but maybe... he's he's kind of fallen off like i don't like when's the he last time rapper, q-tip was but, but like, when's the last time q-tip was like relevant like when's the last time that like the last I, tribe called quest album i guess which was like i mean to be fair like 2015 i think I know, but like he wasn't the uh, he wasn't like the forefront of that. I mean, like the whole it was um, uh, Fife Dog, and then just like Tribe Called. Like I don't I don't know if I heard a lot about Q Tip specifically with that album. I think that the narrative around that album was really what um, was really what. But I I like I I when I think of Tribe Called Quest, I always think of Q Tip. I don't I don't think of Fife Dog a whole lot. Yeah, Um, that's true. Like I always felt like Tribe was like more Q Tip's band. Like I, I think he's like I think he deserves sort of the place he has in like the hip hop pantheon. But like I just don't know how much of a great match this would be. But at the same time, you like I feel like you could have this thing work in like a contrasting sort of way that like his beats are so normal and Danny Brown's flow is so weird that it just like goes together. Yeah, or maybe Q-Tip's going to challenge himself. Who knows? You know, maybe yeah. he's going to really see like how weird he could be. Yep, we'll see. We'll see. Sorry, I'm stretching. So, <laughs> okay. So next up. Next up, we uh, this is something that um um. I, yeah, I, I basically texted your ass about this like Friday because <laughs> we, we we totally blanked on. On topics, to yeah, yeah, so. uh, but just kind of riffing on the idea because uh, I believe you said that Prince's Prince has a posthumous album that his estate or label or someone is releasing yeah. sometime in the near future, and we just thought we'd talk about posthumous albums. You know, thought we'd just kind of riff on that topic, yeah. see what we. This has been the year for posthumous albums, honestly. Like, I didn't. Um, wasn't there like that new? XXX Tentacion, uh, album, I, that could have been late last year, but then, um, 
We have, you know, Marvin Gaye's, like, quote-unquote lost album, You're the Man, that came out last month. Or oh, maybe, yeah. Two months ago now. And now we have this Prince album. And it just, you know, it feels like more and more that, you know, these these artists, like, like that these labels are just trying to just, like, you know, pump these artists for all they're worth. <laughs> so, it's it's kind of sad. Um Frankly, did did you ever listen to that other Prince album that they released uh, after his death? Um, I I honestly the microphone. I honestly did not listen to much of Prince's later work. Uh, well, like, it just just based on the so, and that would include like any of the posthumous albums. Just a, a lot of his more recent albums, you know, right before his death and then after, were not really well received. So I just kind of stuck with. You stuck with 1999, yeah. and stuff like that. Those are um, all great albums. Yeah, I. But like the difference between this, the, like so, this uh, the album was called Piano and a Microphone, and it was just supposed to be Prince doing some of his old songs with just piano accompaniment. Um, and like I, I, to be fair, I didn't listen to the whole thing. But like, okay, how long is Purple Rain? Is probably like seven or eight minutes, right? He made it like. One of the tracks they included on this album was like a two to three minute version of Purple Rain, and it's like how 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 can you even like get the same you know effect out of an album like 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 have a track like that just like it just felt like that they they were just trying to like take all the scraps that Prince had left over and just like you know release them because you know. Prince is huge, and you know everybody wants to buy Prince stuff. <laughs> yeah, and I think the main issue I've always had with posthumous material is, I mean, obviously everyone knows that these are not finished products for the most part. Yeah, or at least I mean, you can never confirm that because the person who could confirm that is no longer with us. Um, exactly. So you, you you could you listen to the material with a grain of salt. So there is that angle, but I guess the bigger angle for me is that um, you can't confirm this. Is I mean, you, this may be releasing something that the artist would be absolutely mortified if it got out to the public before exactly. they had a chance to finish it up. The, that's that I think is the key of this entire discussion. Is that is art? You know, the artist's intent. Um, because you know, like you know, if we want to switch genre or mediums really quick. Like, uh, the one that I always think of when I think of posthumous releases, I always think of Kafka, Franz Kafka, uh, that, like, when he actually told his estate manager that he's like, when I die, I want all of my stuff burned. Like, all of the stuff that I plan, like, like that I have, that hasn't been published, I want it burned. And the guy ended up just publishing all of it. And... um you know, but and, and that includes like something like the castle and like you know I I want to even say like the trial, uh, you know. So basically, like without that, you know, we're missing like a huge part of modern literature. But at the same time, it wasn't what Kafka wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's it's such a strange little uh, you know debate because it's like what's more important the overall culture. And someone's effect on it or the intentions or like you know the wishes of the artist who is now you know not here mm-hmm. um, exactly I, I i mean like really the only um the only reason that they would do this is 
Well, I mean, like, I hate to say it, but, like, I don't see any other reason that you would release a posthumous album other than um, to kind of make some more money. <laughs> I mean, you I can't... I mean, because you could... Like, everything they could say is that, you know, unless they specifically knew that they wanted this released, um, I, I don't think they could say, oh, like, the public should hear this. We want to do this with the fans. It's like, okay, but the most important voice isn't in the room. Yeah, I, I, I think, like, a lot of this is very hearsay-ish because, you, you know, you don't really know if, you know, like, on their deathbed that, like, you know, the artist is like, please release this or please don't release yeah. this. Um, you sure. know, like, and people could lie either way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's it's kind of tough to think, but, like, I'm, I, 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 I tend to believe that, like, Bowie, uh, like, wait, you know, his last album, I think, was, like, very purposeful. Um, as well as, you know, I, I think the EP that came after it, um, like, I feel like he probably intended those. Whereas like, you know, Prince's stuff, like, like Prince was notorious about not, you know, releasing stuff like, you know, Mm. he he was very, you know, meticulous about what he did. And so that meant that like, you know, things don't always come out on time or like, you know. I think with, with the way he works, like I feel like he has like just a whole vault of just unreleased material that's just waiting to come out, and I feel like they're just gonna keep pumping this thing until it like, until it, it like his legacy is basically ruined. But it's just, it sucks. I it really bugs me, you know. Yeah, yeah. Or it's like um, uh, John Frusciante. Uh, I think like a few. Years oh, yeah. ago, he Jeff said Christian, that he he did the opposite. Yeah, yeah. He's just like he announced, like, oh, I'm gonna still make music, and record. It. I'm not gonna release it, but I'm I'm still gonna like you know like put it to tape and then just keep it for myself. I guess. Okay. Well, 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 what happens when he passes away? And then he specifically said he has no intention of releasing this. What if his family's like, you know what? Now we're now we're gonna now we're gonna release it. What? Because why not? Because I mean, they can. Why not? Yeah. I, I, the, the the thing that bugs me the most about that whole interview is that he would even say that. <laughs> yeah, it's a very bizarre. It's a very bizarre thing. Which like obviously, like, like it was one thing to say, "Oh, I'm gonna still like play and write music," because obviously he's a musician. But to say yeah. you're gonna like record it and then just like sit on it, that's just I don't know why you would do that. Well, Except to like listen to it with yourself, which is kind of you know I, I masturbatory. I just, like what I'm trying to say is, like, it's like I don't know why he would say it to the media. Yeah. Like, it, yeah, you know, like, it, it, it's kind of like that, um, do you remember that episode of South Park where Cartman buys a theme park and he, um, he doesn't let anybody in? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and it creates, like, this whole, like, new way of doing business because, like, they're being so exclusive that people want to get into it. It, it like, it, it almost feels like that. <laughs> so, but, like, actually, they, so, the biggest posthumous, you know, like, pouring out that i've seen uh is Jimi hendrix like oh god yeah because really hendrix only had like three albums um but if you count his posthumous stuff he has something like 15 <laughs> so it's like just ridiculous which is insane yeah it's absolutely yeah. insane which i mean the thing is like if you had that much music you probably intended not a lot of it to see the light of day because it wasn't good enough you know like <laughs> yeah or like or maybe it, it just wasn't finished enough like you yeah. you know they they hadn't had a chance to fully flesh it out and you know th- there was something there but it just wasn't ready in its current form um i will say that in in some cases 
I, I think, you know, my opinion still stands. There are, there's one specific example where I thought it was kind of a cool idea. There were a couple of posthumous, um, notorious B.I.G. albums. Yeah. Uh, Born Again. And Born Again was kind of all the people around him that were close to him, like, uh, you know, Puff Daddy, Nas, Missy, like people like uh, contemporaries of the day. They took, ver- I think, versus he had already, um, recorded even some he'd already released and then like spliced them together with other people's verses with new beats the yeah. one that real i the one that I, I listened to a lot when i was younger that i really liked was it was released in 2005 it was even a little bit later and that had like a lot of interesting um interesting features on it like i think corn was on one of the songs what I'm trying to. I'm trying That's to confirm a, that. That is awesome. Like I, I want to listen to that then. Yeah, they had a uh, yeah uh, a song called "Wake Up" featuring Corn, and then uh, "Clips," which is uh, featuring uh, Pusha T. Uh, that was his original hip hop duo. Uh, they have Bob Marley, which is kind of like a a, a dual layer of posthumous release, um, and then. Uh, yeah, like like Ti, Akon, like it was it was kind of at the day. It was kind of a cool idea. Um, some of the lyrics were taken from the albums he actually released, which is, you know, I guess obviously that kind of takes away the oh, did he want it out there? But then again, you still have the issue of like why why are you releasing this? I mean, it's it's hard to say it isn't just a, a cash grab. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I guess I guess you could say it's a celebration of Biggie Smalls, but I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I like so when when you brought up Biggie, like my first thought was um at the end of Ghostface's uh, Fish Scale album, there's a bonus track that has uh, a Biggie verse on it, and uh, like I sort of felt like the same thing that like it it, it had it sort of leaves a bad taste in your mouth in a way because you don't really mm-hmm. know if you know what the intention was, but at the same time it's a pretty good track, you know, and and Raekwon's in it and like mm-hmm. you know it's you know. It's a it's a it's a cool track, all things considered. So it's just yeah. like, you know, like what to do about like that. I, I mean, I think there's something also to focus on is that like, you know, we as music listeners, you know, it's it's up to us whether we even bother to listen to it or not. Like you know, with Marvin Gaye's latest posthumous release, like I, you know, and I consider myself a pretty big Marvin Gaye fan. Like, I, I, I just I'm not listening to this album, even though it's gotten pretty good reviews, all things considered. I just don't think that like, you know, this type of like, you know, he, he was very meticulous as well with what he wanted, you know, and. I think if he hadn't, if he didn't release that in his lifetime, and I mean, to be fair, you know, his life was cut tragically short, but like the fact that he didn't release it while he was still alive, I think still says something. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's like, I don't know, but would you listen to like uh, a a posthumous Prince album? Like, you know, but if if it had material from, you know, that, that wasn't like his later stuff. Probably not, to be honest, because yeah. it kind of boils down to this is not an album that Prince actually put together. Obviously, it's, it's an album that contains music and, uh, you know, ideas that he wrote and that he put together and, and recorded in some instances. Uh, and, and that's the other thing is that do, what we hear on the tape is that 
100% Prince's recording? Do they then add stuff to it? Like, are they yeah. just going to... Are they just going to... I mean, like, I, I don't have an answer to that. You know, do they just put the album out there, you know, as it is? Or does the, you know, the executive producer decide, yeah, we're going to throw some synths on this. Or like, hey, we're going to have an extra guitar line here. Actually, that, uh, I mean, who knows? That brings up a really interesting, uh, you know, problem. Because, um, so, not... Well, I mean, I think this is pretty much common, common knowledge now. But the Beatles were already broken up before Let It Be came out. Um, and... They actually, you know, they they hired Phil Spector to actually like sort of like help the album. I guess is the best way to put it. That like mm-hmm. he added like a bunch of horn embellishments and things like that to the album that weren't previously there. So like, if you ever listen to like a, a track like Across the Universe, if you listen to like the single version, it's totally stripped back and it's just you know very uh, it feels a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. Whereas the one that's on the album is, you know, has like, has like this grand epic feel. And personally, I can't stand it, you know, but in a way, like, I think that's another, like, it's, it's a posthumous album in a sense, because I, I, I don't think they, they really gave a shit about like what happened to it. Because they were just like, fuck it, we're, we're done with this as a band. But yeah, I don't know. But like, it's all comes down to intent and like you know um i i think you know if i think these things would stop if enough of if enough people gave a stink about it but i think a lot of us are so blinded by our own love for these artists that we can't help it like i, I know that like if like idea if, if like ideas estate came out with like a new album of his i would be very excited for it you know, well, so also it just it this might be um, kind of the way they position things. Uh, you know, for example, like the the, the posthumous John Coltrane album that was a, an actual oh, lo- last last session that he yeah, but but uh, was it though? The, the, that's the thing is like you know not not to get like too political, but like you know people. I mean, fake news is is a real thing, and I think it affects more news. And like more information than we like to think, you know. And like, there's just like, like there is a story behind like that that whole both directions at once that that it was lost. But like at the same time, like, part of me thinks that like that you know they they could have said anything. <laughs> really? Oh, sure. I I guess I I I was I was referencing how they were referring to what what I what I was. Um, trying to get at it is that it, w- it was something that he actually recorded that hadn't been released yet. So yeah, th- but then th- I, they, yeah. Coltrane, w- what people forget also is that Coltrane, you know, recorded a lot. Like near the end of his life, he was in the studio. Like I, I want to say like almost every day. Like, like uh, Impulse gave him just like basically unprecedented like recording time. You know, so th- there's a reason that he has so many posthumous albums. Like, sure. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, really, the, the direction I was going in is that they could spin the narrative in in that sense because it was something he actually recorded at one point, and they you know picked it up. You know, jazz is a little different than a lot of you know the recordings were like different sessions and, and whatnot. So that was just the manner in which they recorded. Um, maybe with newer releases, people are more susceptible to believe 
in that lost album narrative that like they might buy into the way they labels position it or, or you know kind of uh, see what's being released as oh this is something Prince was gonna release but then he died like I feel like that's the most common thing that people might interpret like, at least you know like uh, you know more casual music listeners is this was something that Prince wanted to be released but then he passed away and they just the label just kind of tweaked it a little bit and you know like just fit, you know clean it up that might be the the more I guess the more common narrative people might view so it just it doesn't hit the same way and to your point yeah I mean people want to hear more Prince you know if you love Prince you just want to hear more of what he had to offer, uh, I'm guessing, yeah. and I'm guessing in general people just don't have these kind of serious, you know, thoughts or conversations. I'm yeah. guessing. I I I do want to say that if you look at the press release for this new Prince album, it's it actually consists of just tracks that Prince wrote for other people uh, huh. that that he recorded, and again, like that just makes me think that it's like oh we just took all of this crap and just sort of put it all on one CD. Not saying that it, it, mm-hmm. it is crap, but it's just like, I think the, the, the feeling behind it reminds me of crap, I guess. Like, it's just, <laughs> it just feels like, it's just like, Oh, how, how, how much can we like milk this thing? You know, <laughs> like I was, um, I, it's just like, okay. At, at what point, is is enough enough like you know with the print like when prince died like they they really milked that like his death like uh-huh. they've really been they've been going at it like to the point like you know paisley park is open to the public now things like that uh-huh. and like that that stuff he never would have allowed in his time you know or like yeah it's just yeah it's frustrating um you know and a lot of it has to do with just sort of the way this is like our society runs you know that money is more important than any sort of artistic integrity or just art in general mm-hmm. um yeah <sighs> <laughs> on, on that happy note <laughs> i know it's just depressing because like i mean i even think about like personally like if i don't know if if, if i put out like you know if, if somebody took all the stuff i've written and like they wanted to put something out after I died, like I, I mean, I, it's not like I'd be able to stop them, you know. <laughs> so yeah, you, you have no no idea with obviously just the nature of yeah. death. You have no idea what they're doing. Yeah, and I think for a lot of people, like I know for for me, like I I, I don't write because I want people to notice it. I write because I like to do it, mm-hmm. and I could not give less of a shit if I was published or not. <laughs> so like mm-hmm. you know, it's just like yeah, but not everybody thinks like that. For sure. So, yeah. All right. Well, got our got our next thing. Yeah. So, so on a uh, kind of a more fun, <laughs> yeah, more fun depressing. note. Um, we we kind of um had an interesting idea. Why well, we didn't? Jimmy had an interesting idea. Uh, that got us thinking about some artists that um I'm not gonna get the the name right. What what. What term did you use? We're, so we're calling it track only artists, which basically like we're, we're talking about artists who's out. Like we really don't like a full album by them, but you know, we're a big enough fan that like we will spin just a bunch of tracks by them, uh, you know, but never really anything equating to like a full album. I think a greatest hits albums, I think would count though, uh, because they're really not like, you know, albums as much as they are just collections 
Yeah, and, and the artists I ended up coming up with, they kind of go all over the spectrum of fitting this description, but they're all artists that I definitely like, you know, some of their music and, and in many cases, some of their music a great deal, but just overall um, have never, would never consider myself a fan, just I'm not big enough into them that, um, you know, would want to, you know, buy much of their like merch or music or anything like that. Although there's one example where I have a number of their albums and I still don't know if I consider myself a fan, which might Corn. be, a, which <laughs> might be hypocritical, but no. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Corn, I guess Corn, since it was Corn's your idea. Band. <laughs> yeah, abs- absolutely. That's, uh, we actually have talked more about Corn the last few weeks than, than I, <laughs> than I have I've, in a long I've time. I've just wanted to talk about Corn <laughs> lately. I, I just find just their whole existence to be just like, a combination of like ludicrous and amazing <laughs> at the same yeah, time yeah no so. there's nothing wrong with that it's just funny yeah. that like i haven't thought about corn the longest time in the last few weeks we've brought him up like every episode <laughs> i know the, the corn uh, and david lynch <laughs> wow all right well since it was your idea i think you should start and i guess we'll just go back and forth yeah uh, i have a couple but i think probably the biggest one i have is is uh the beach boys um, I just, I've tried to listen to Pet Sounds, I'm just not a fan of it. I actually want to give it a try, another try at some point, but, like, I was raised on, like, a lot of Beach Boys singles, so, like, I'm more of, like, you know, surfing Safari and surfing USA and that type of thing, so, like, I'll listen to, like, Beach Boys' greatest hits, but, like, never, like, a full album. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in that same vein, Elvis, too, just pretty much the same thing that, like... Oh, yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, like, I don't really, like, I, you know, Heartbreak Hotel is, like, one of my favorite songs ever, but, like, I don't really want to listen to a full Elvis album, yeah. so I, 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 he has this greatest hits album that I ended up buying a few years ago that I'll just put on every now and then, that, and even that, like, I, I can't put that on all the time, because it's just, like, like, too much Elvis is just, like, it's, it, it, it's, it's, like, the equivalent of, like, eating like an entire chocolate cake for me <laughs> like oh, it's just oh, like don't be cool <laughs> shut the fuck up scott <laughs> <laughs> oh that was a good one uh, i'm actually a little proud of that i'm not gonna lie no you shouldn't be proud of that you should be very ashamed oh like... <laughs> that's awesome fuck you scott <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. That that's about right. <laughs> we're, we're dissolving this podcast after this episode. <laughs> oh man, okay. where 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 are you though? Uh, uh, the 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 immediate, as soon as you said this, the number one thing that came to my head, and it pains me to say this because um, there's this band has one album I absolutely love, and everything else they and their individual members have done, I've been like pretty much consistently lukewarm on it. And that's Animal Collective. Oh, I, I think you were going to say Butane Clan, but <laughs> no, uh, I I love Meriwether Post Pavilion. It's such an inventive, bright, colorful, like such a fun, like fun album. It just it, it embodies like summer fun. Um, and literally every other solo album from their members and every other Animal Collective album I've heard, and I haven't heard all of them, but but every other one, and especially the ones that they've released since. Um, since Meriwether Post Pavilion, uh, they just have been meh. Like they've they've had some like really bright, fun singles, but the rest of the songs have just been really bland. And what about my because... what about my favorite Animal Collective album, uh, Strawberry Jam? Even, uh, yeah, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Oh, when I made you listen to that, even that, I mean, I I liked it. 
but just not really to the same degree. Like really, that's why I, I always have hesitated to call myself an Animal Collective fan because yeah. there's one album that I think is easily one of my favorite albums of all time. It's just so phenomenal and literally nothing else. And they, you know, each of their, um, you know, their members releases, you know, has a pretty substantial discography in their own right. And they have a ton of albums under the Animal Collective name, but just nothing has come even, you know, close to what, you know, Meriwether Post really has to offer. Mm. Yeah, I get you. Um, sorry, I just knocked over a water bottle, so that's... Yeah, I was, I was gonna, I was wondering what that was. Yeah, uh, thankfully it's just on the carpet, so, yeah, that'll be fun later, but, um... <laughs> Alright, so, alright, so uh, what, what's, what's your next yeah, pick? I got, uh, I have a couple different ones, but I think we're gonna, if we're gonna go to more of, like, I like tracks by them rather than albums, um... Black Eyed Peas or Andor Fergie. Oh, that's that, a good one. Like, yeah, yeah. Because like I well, to be fair, like like really the only stuff I like is like from like Monkey Business and like before that. Uh, so like, you know, my humps, you know, <laughs> that type of thing. Uh, like Pomp It, uh, Fergalicious yeah. is is I I genuinely love Fergalicious. So you know, because it's definition make them boys go loco. You know, there you go. <laughs> love it. Uh, yeah, I, it, like I would I would honestly put like a lot of rap, in the same vein for me, or at least like a lot of like pop rap, um, like for example, I mean I, I have two live crew here just because like you know like Misa Horny is a great song, but yeah. I really have little interest in you know listening to anything else from them. Yeah, or like you know um, I don't know if this would count because I, it's been a while since I've even wanted to listen to it, but like Soldier Boy even. Oh. <laughs> because, because like i don't know like that the, the song is is fun sometimes you know but like god i would never want to listen to a soldier boy album ever <laughs> i i can't i have to sit have to agree with you there yeah with, with, with good reason uh what about you <laughs> um the next one that came up and this is might seem odd because i own several other albums on cd um neurosis uh i really 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 love i really love um given to the rising i love a lot of songs off of that album and i like all their other albums but just i just never want to spin them like just it never like like, oh i should listen to a neurosis album and then just the interest is not there um their albums are just way too long like all of them are way too long for me like they they make a really interesting style but they do more or less the same kind of wheelhouse of, of stuff on every album and i don't know like it i really like the idea of what they do and and given to the rising is a phenomenal album with some really great songs uh, i think for me the biggest issue is memorability uh like given to the rising has you know riffs and i songs that you know, will stick out of my mind like you know periodically when i'm just uh living my life different songs just pop into my head i'm like oh i should listen to that album and just no other album has grabbed me in the same way i've again even after saying that i want to give them more of a chance because i I've, I've liked every album i've heard just has not had the impact that you, know, you I, know of the... i would actually love to give neurosis another chance frankly um we could do that next week if you wanted to yeah we should we should um, pick a pick an album or two or yeah. a few albums and... i but it, it's you know I gotta say, this is that's a really odd choice, 
you know, because I, I only because I always think of Neurosis as like more of an album centric band. Like it, it would be like, like I mean, similarly, like it would be like if you listen to like an Ocean out, like like just one single song from the Ocean, like they, I feel like they work towards creating a cohesive experience in an album, you know, and so like to listen to one song is just like. It, like you're only getting a piece of that experience but like i i understand like your reason because i mean like yeah they have like their style is very repetitive and relies on repetition but it also happens to be extremely long at the same time yeah and there so. are two i mean i i couldn't name the tracks if you put a gun to my head but there there are two songs i give it to the rising i think like the first song the opening riff is just so catchy and the way that song develops is great and then there's a more melodic track um i think the third or fourth song and those two songs always stick in my head when I think of Neurosis. And then literally, no, I've listened to every, like, I think almost every one of their albums at least, you know, one or two times. And I don't remember a single other track except for, like, those two. Which is the reason when I was thinking about it, I'm like, I think that kind of fits, unfortunately. Because I really, yeah. like, they just seem like a band I would like. And obviously, I cared enough to buy their albums and listen to them all. But, like, I just, I've never gotten over that. that it's not like Isis, where, like, Isis... You know, I, every single album has memorable songs to me, and like it just—it's so well developed. Like, I, there's always a debate. People say like, "What's the you know the greatest post metal band of all time?" Like Isis it, and Neurosis. It, it, it's Isis. I think it's Isis by like a yeah. country mile. Like it's not—it's not even close to me. I mean, because I, I understand Neurosis technically came it, first yeah. in some people's mind, but I don't think that matters. Yeah, I—I I mean, I would say like I—I I think Isis probably yeah they, they're probably like the best post metal band but my favorite i mean you know me is a rosetta all the way yeah rosetta but, yeah absolutely um yeah I, that's an interesting choice i think if we're gonna go I, I have one more before i get into like sort of different territory but i think it's still like within this wheelhouse but um acdc i think is a, oh like, that's a great that's a great example a, a lot of classic rock i think you know like but I, acdc I, is like the best example yeah, like i i've mentioned that i've listened to like um uh, Grand Funk Railroad's cover of the Locomotion, <laughs> you know, before, but like, but like, <laughs> I've I have no interest in ever listening to anything else by Grand Funk, and like, I mean, even like that song, uh, "We're an American Band," like, I I can't, I do not like that song, like, it's just like like no interest whatsoever, uh, but like, you know, that cover of the Locomotion, man, I could listen to that a hundred times and like not be sick of it, but like, yeah, ACDC, I think is is probably the probably the biggest offender on or like probably one of the biggest bands on this list for me because like you know back in black itself is is actually not a bad album but i i will not buy that album <laughs> like mostly because you know like, i mean i i think most people have come to this conclusion that like acds has pretty much written the same song for their entire career and they have like 15 albums out <laughs> yeah so it's just like yeah i i, I personally like those tracks of theirs that like sort of break from that normal formula so like mm -hmm. tnt maybe thunderstruck especially uh let there be rock you know like like those type of tracks whereas like you shook me all night long is like i i can't stand that song <laughs> <laughs> so uh, which is funny because like I, I have like family who's like that that's like their favorite acdc song so just like i just have to like sort of like live through it <laughs> and like suffer through it <laughs> Um, but like, I, I, I mean, I, I think part of this is like, you know, uh, so it sort of comes from like how you're raised because like, you know, my parents put on a lot of classic rock radio when I was growing up. So like a lot of these tracks are like, you know, 
I, th- th- these are t- the type of singles that would show up, you know, on the radio, as opposed to like, you know, playing an entire side of an album, which is something like, I really wish that like we were back in like, you know, a time when, you know, like DJs would do that where they would play like an entire album for you know, on the radio. But, yeah. You know, whatever. Um, you have any more? I have two, um, well, one rapper, one hip hop group that were other, like, as I was thinking about this, there were a few names that popped on my head. I was like, oh, obviously. Uh, the first being uh, Jay-Z. He okay. has some great, especially on uh, the Blueprint, the, like the first Blueprint. There are some phenomenal tracks on that, aided by some great production from Kanye West, actually. That's where he got his his start in the industry is producing for or like he blew up with a few of the tracks which are extremely well produced on the blueprint hmm. um and jay-z has some has some good um verses on there some good wordplay also his debut reasonable doubt uh, obviously you know like hard knock life i think is a hip-hop classic i, I love that song you mean um, you mean from later. from little orphan annie <laughs> yeah from little yeah exactly i i would um, love to see jay-z actually do that just it's a hard knock life for us <laughs> oh that'd be awesome but yeah, on a, I would never consider myself a Jay-Z fan because number one, he has like probably the least charisma of like any like major rapper. Like he never raps with like any he raps with like the same energy level and that bothers me because like he doesn't he doesn't really switch it up that much. And he just the general like, you know, Tony as is very like cocky and just very he kind of has the same level of swagger that just doesn't appealed to me especially because i feel like he's a very spotty artist like even on the blueprint which some people consider his best album there are some bad songs like there's a song called girls where he just does a bunch of like racial stereotypes of all all the different types of girls he likes girls and like all i really want is girls no we don't have to talk about that but trust me, but <laughs> no you brought love no i didn't bring it up it's a different song nope, um nope, nope. Oh, all the same song but but, um. but but yeah like that um that is just you know epitomizes some other tracks he has that are just very and also recently his music has not been great but like i definitely think he has some great songs that i enjoy another one that pains me to say because this is like a hip-hop uh like these are hip-hop legends uh de la soul uh, i love yes. um uh yeah I-, I know and then uh me myself and i like they have some phenomenal um like some really really great tracks in their discography and then like uh, three feet high and rising, there are some of the like the you know forget about Run DMC. There are some of the corniest '80s like old school rap songs in that album. Oh some, yeah, some it of is. the skit like, like they they have a oh, skit God. where they're like on a fucking game show or something. Yeah, it's the, like the, 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 that's the intro skit actually. Oh, it's like yeah. terrible. Oh yeah, no, I I I like the first time I listened to Three Feet High and Rising, I'm like, this is the last time I'm gonna listen to this album for a very long time. But like, it really sucks because Dale Soul they were huge in um in terms of uh like the, in terms of like modern production being as multifaceted and like sample heavy and like experimental, they were enormous in that. Like they were one of the first artists to really branch out and sample like they, they they sampled a Steely Dan song on one like that that was unheard of you know for yeah for like a rap group to sample something like out of like you know like the funk and the jazz and like the soul wheelhouse um, and yeah. yeah like other than other I mean, at the at the time obviously that's not the case anymore but yeah um, yeah like that's that's a band that I wish I liked more just because of 
the fact that they've released some fantastic songs, but just overall, I'm not a big not a big fan at so, all of their. I I don't know if you remember this, but um, a couple years ago on Valentine's Day, De La Soul gave out their entire discography for free. I do remember that, yeah, yeah. And so I I downloaded like everything, and out of all of those albums, my favorite is probably like uh, the Artificial Intelligence albums, uh, and even those are like they go way too long. Like you know, it, I'm totally with you there because like, like I actually no, I think probably my favorite De La Soul album is actually that Gorillaz track that they feature on <laughs> Feel Good Incorporated, uh, <laughs> which is kind of sad because like they're really good. They they have a really good discography. Like or at least when it comes to like a few of their tracks, you know, and just the idea of them is like fucking great, you know. But it's just like yeah, the, the that full album thing just doesn't work for. for Either of us, I guess. Um, God, I really want to listen to Feel Good Inc. now. <laughs> Actually, well, I, I, no, I'm, I'm not going to derail us further. Because <laughs> that's, yeah, never mind. Um, so, on my end of things, uh, I have one left. Um, and I don't really know if I'd really count it or not. Because I, like, I don't really listen to enough of this artist's uh, you know, singles or anything like that to really, I don't know, like it, it just doesn't feel right for this list in a way, but I felt like it was worth including uh, Chelsea Wolf. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, just like, 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 I remember I was not too long ago, I was listening to Pain is Beauty, and I really didn't like that album. Um, but it was more like, I, I, there are a couple Chelsea Wolf tracks that I really like, but like, I really can't, like, I'm really not a big fan of just like putting on an entire album of hers. Like I, I, I own Abyss and um, Grime in the Glow, and like both of those. Like you know, I can't remember the last time I've listened to either of those albums in full. Like I, like Cousins of the Antichrist is a great track. You know, um, the first track off of Abyss is good, uh, but usually what I really like to listen to if I'm gonna put on Chelsea Wolf is um, she she does this solo version of uh, her track Flatlands um that is just beautiful like to the point yeah. that like that, that, that's on that that acoustic collection right yeah but but this is there's a live video of her doing this and it's just her and it is like one of the most heartbreaking just like like just amazing tracks i've ever heard like live tracks anyway and it like it completely outdoes the the version that's actually on that acoustic album like I cannot stress how great of an album, like how great of a track that is. It's so amazing, but it's just like I really have no interest in listening to anything else from her. Even though, at like at one point, like I was a really big fan, but I think it's just like I've just kind of like been like, like it, it's it's not like I don't like her any less. It's more just like I, I think my my interests are you know um, sort of going in different directions. You know that that don't exactly add up to going to like in her wheelhouse yeah i i feel like unfortunately for for me i think she still has a unique niche but it's just one that i find much less interesting like the first album i heard from her was uh, apocalypsis which i still think is phenomenal and it was just it was such a singular it basically was like a darker more direct version of like kind of what grouper does uh but yeah. she had like her own voice to it, and then from there she kind of 
just became more like into like people have celebrated how she's embraced metal and like she you know post metal doom like some some more like heavier aspects to her sound it's just not what i loved about her originally um and so like i'm, I'm kind of right there with you i i can't i've kind of I loved, you know, with the her debut. I think it was like the the grime and the glow. Yeah, it was the grime and the glow. Like yeah. her very very de- first debut was phenomenal. I love Apocalypsis. I love the um, uh, the acoustic album she did, and then from there, yeah, just everything since has has kind of uh, kind of been less and less interesting to me. Yeah, yeah um, sadly. Yeah, I guess. Uh, sorry, are you are you also do you have any left or? That's all I have. Sorry. The last one I'll highlight because, as I mentioned before, I used to be a big deathcore metalcore fan, um, and occasionally I'll put on uh, like a couple tracks from an old band I used to listen to. Never like the full thing or anything. Can like I can that. I guess this one? Sure. Acacia Strain. That's a good one. Uh, yeah, like, I I do that. Um, I do listen to them once in a while. The one band I listen to when I really see some quick heaviness is, uh, King Conquer. Uh, they, okay. they have one of probably the, like the deepest gutturals of any deathcore band. Like I used to listen to, and they're just like really heavy and straightforward. And uh, they have a couple tracks I like to just put on for some quick heaviness. Actually, you know what? I would probably say Acacia Strain would be more cause I, I will actually listen to more. There are more songs by Acacia Strain that I like that I'll listen to. But like I haven't listened to an Acacia Strain album in God knows how long. Um, yeah, <laughs> with, with with good reason. Not, no, <laughs> you know you know the main reason. It's it's not even the, the breakdowns necessarily because I feel like they they kind of took like a, a hardcore meets Mashuka type approach where like the riffs kind of fit into a groovy structure. Whereas yeah. my biggest problem with Deathcore was that it felt like the riffs came second. Like there was no song development. Um, it just was like you know the breakdowns like. The thing I like about Acacia Strain is they, they kind of, like, dedicated to, like, the breakdown-only approach, almost, so that you knew what you were getting, whereas with, like, other deathcore bands, they would try to, like, oh, here's some riffs, and then now's a breakdown. Like, it just, there would be no flow to the, the project at all. Mm. Um, anyway, the thing that really has stuck out to me with the Acacia Strain is that their vocalist does the same exact, like, yeah. vocal progression, like, like... Like it's like the same exact phrasing on every single track, and it's like obnoxious. Um, but yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Uh, yeah, no, I I get you. I think we we have one more little segment before we uh, say goodbyesies, and it's our annual, I annual weekly. Annual, weekly. Um, well, I guess it, yeah, it, it it is annual if you think of. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, last year's. I I guess it will we'll probably be doing the same thing next year, but it's like every week next year. <laughs> okay. In, in in any case, um, yeah. we uh doing our album of the week and uh, Jim Jam. How about you lead us off? Yeah. Uh, let me just find my. Actually, no. Uh, let me just pull up my Spotify really quick because I know the album, but I just I always get the name wrong. So, um, I don't know, I had a lot of interesting things I was listening to this week. Um, I actually had on, um, Frozen Niagara Falls yesterday, uh, that, that was, oh, nice. to listen to again, but, 
Uh, I also had another album yesterday that I think is going to be my album of the week, and that is uh, Behemoth, it's, uh, Zos Kia Cultus. Okay. Um, yeah, I yeah I, I love Behemoth. They're, they're probably my favorite death metal band. Um, and like, but I just haven't really been listening to them a whole lot. I, I think honestly, I think that the, their newest album sort of left a bad taste in my mouth. Um, you know, and so yeah, I Ooh. yeah I know it, it was disappointing, but um. So, like, you know, I, I don't think that this is, like, their best album, um, but listening to it again, like, I it, it, it hit all the points that I really love with Behemoth, that, like, they really know how to write an interesting song, and then they also have just, like, these really interesting interludes going on that are, like, sort of, that use, like, sort of these Middle Eastern uh, scales, you know, and it, it just, it all comes together really well for me. I, I think they're just such an interesting forward-thinking act, at least when it came to like you know stuff before their last album mm-hmm. um yeah so it was it was really it was a total random pick this week and i was just like fuck yeah like i like like i was awesome. like yeah i was i was like maybe like a second or two into the first track and i'm like this is this is album of the week man like, <laughs> <laughs> so that's awesome what about you good sir um this is i put it on my so i've been really using bandcamp more um this year and just as like a quicker way to keep track of albums i want to listen to Mm. i have been uh, just putting stuff on my wish list and this is an album i put on my wish list and kind of forgot about and then i saw bandcamp featured it and the way they were describing i'm like this sounds awesome so i decided to listen to it and holy i put i've listened to it a ton this week it is the self-titled album self-titled album from nirav uh, sangani in the Pacific Six, and I'm gonna I'm gonna text that to you right now so you can uh, just copy that. Oh look, I got, I, got, I got a text from Scooter. <laughs> yeah, and this is a classic, you know, like traditional swing album from what, what? from this from this year though. It sounds like if these songs had like you know more time appropriate production, it sounds like something that might have been recorded in like. The World War, you know, World War Two era. It's like really like extremely well played, you know, kind of medium sized ensemble swing album. But the thing I love about it is that, um, as much as I love the feel of like that crackly old timey production, I really love the crispness and the modernness that you can really hear what's going on. But the, I, I'm not sure if these are original compositions or if they're you know covers of standards. Uh, but it's just it's so fun it's just a fun bright happy sweet yeah no i'm not i'm not pulling your leg this is just like such a nice i i I just like i just find this hilarious but also awesome because swing music is really great so yeah this is like old timey jazz that's like extremely well well produced um (laughs) like it's it's phenomenal yeah i I recommend anyone who likes i i feel like it's something that Anyone can, you know, everyone loves a good, like, it's just, it's one of those classic traditional genres that anyone yeah, can enjoy. Yeah, and, and then afterwards you can go to the sock hop with your best gal. Yeah, exa- <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. I just, like, this came out of left field for me. I just did not expect this. Like, I was expecting, like, oh, yeah, like, this avant-jazz album that I found, like, on, on Bandcamp or, like, you know, like, the singer-songwriter. No, no, it's fucking swing music. Like, yeah, no, it's it's great. And, like, I... I listen to a ton of. I actually passed the um, uh, two hundred. I've officially listened to two hundred new albums this year. Um, 
and there's actually a ton of great albums I could have picked uh, instead. Like for example, uh, the new Mountain Goats album uh, is really really great. Uh, oh, the new I, I never um, pegged you for a Mountain Goats fan. I, I I never listened to them before, but I I checked out this new album and I really really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was. Uh, you know, this is like a really fun, quirky, you know, indie folk. Uh, obviously, th- this is centered around like a Dungeons and Dragons theme. Apparently, that's their thing is they just pick like a weird, yeah, quirky, they, <laughs> quirky yeah, theme so, for their so album. Like, I think the last one was goth culture. And yeah. Then and then that it was wrestlers. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like this, I just kept coming back to uh, this, this, <laughs> this new age swing, swing album. Or the, this new swing. Yeah. yeah. So... <laughs> that's that's great oh my god they're like <laughs> i i actually I, i'm gonna listen to this right after we stop recording it, it's because... it's really really fun it's just a yeah. fun nice you know sweet listen that sounds fucking fantastic <laughs> so. all right well that's our episode today and uh we will be back next week probably talking about neurosis and uh have a good week All right, take care. Bye. Bye.